All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. I am joined, as always, by Shane and Brandon. How are you guys doing today? Ow, my tongue. Pretty good. You said you're eating steak as we're doing the show, which is pretty remarkable, to say the least. And I was, uh, yeah, I'm just going to, for the first bit here, I might just be casually eating a steak off of this side. Uh, kind of a long story. I don't really want to talk about it. Anyway. You're just having <laughs> dinner. What? How is it a long story? Oh, no. Nothing yeah. is happening to take place right now. Yeah, who's eat, who eats dinner at 7? Yeah, I don't eat dinner till pretty late at night. Yeah, it is 7.12 right now as we're recording. But yeah, no. And then when the uh, when you started the meeting, or when you started recording, it said continue or leave meeting. So I put the steak knife in between my teeth so that I could click continue and then I cut my freaking tongue. Oh, ow. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm alright. So anyways, what's new today? Okay. Uh, okay. That is one of the weirdest ways we've ever started the show ever. My sincere apologies. <laughs> okay. Moving on uh, to some NFL stuff uh we're going through week two brandon i'll start with you reaction to brown's Bengals and joe burrow's national tv debut um i think i said this during the show i believe joe burrow will be the future of the brown or the Bengals. um but currently he looks like he's under attack mm-hmm. because his line is terrible. And at one point he got like speared out of his shoes getting when he got sacked. He like got hit, fumbled the ball. And then the, another guy came around and just absolutely destroyed him. And his head like whiplashed and hit the ground. Yeah. And I was thinking, Oh my God, Joe Burrow's going to be out for like three weeks with a concussion. But like, He's really tough. The camera like panned to the sideline, and he's just standing there with like a shell shock look on his face. That, if anything, I would say was basically him thinking, "God damn it, I did not have, I didn't get hit like this at all at LSU." Yeah, that Bengals offensive line is terrible. Joe Burrow to me looked fabulous, though. Um, he looks like a franchise quarterback to me. Uh, Shane, what is your impression on Joe Burrow so far th- for, through the first two weeks? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, um, you know, I, was, I wasn't sure what to think of him. Not necessarily because of how he is as a player, but just going into that organization. You know, I didn't know how that was going to go because, I mean, let's be honest, they're not the best team. Uh, but he himself, I think, is really carrying – the team already um and you know if they don't find success this year which doesn't look like they will i think they could you know within the next few years here i mean i don't think i think the days of the the pittsburgh dynasty are are numbered and i mean cleveland is cleveland uh, you know (laughs) who knows (laughs) um and then baltimore will obviously continue continue to be good for the next several years here and so um yeah i mean you know i I like the future for them i i think he i mean it's still early but just from what we've seen you know i'm 
pretty impressed by Burrow. I think the biggest thing for him is not necessarily his his mechanics or his physical talent because you know it's pretty good, nothing amazing, but it's just it's his his, his mental game, his drive. He's uh, you know he's really in it to win it, and um, you know I think that's what will help him as time goes on. Yeah, I would agree. I think he he's very committed to winning. I think I think that offensive line is ultimately going to kill that offense. If the offensive line was just middle of the pack better, you know, in terms of rankings, Joe Burrow would be able to get the ball out faster and and the Bengals offense would look much more fluid than it does. Um it's clear that AJ Green is his favorite target. He does enjoy throwing the ball to him, of course, um considering he is their best receiver. Right. Um, and he seemed to right away sort of gravitate towards him, at least in this game, uh, you know, gain the opportunity to watch every snap of him. Uh, all 56 throws, which was a little much, but you understand it considering the scoring and how the game was going. Um, he definitely has a bright future ahead of him, although I do predict he will be the most sacked quarterback uh, in 2020. As for the Browns, um, Shane, I'll start with you with the Browns. Do Did you learn anything from this game from the Browns side, or do you kind of, know what to expect the rest of the year with them? Um, yes and no. I mean, you know, I was – people are looking at the game and going, oh, look at Baker. He looked great. It's like, okay, yeah, but look at the defense <laughs> that he was facing. And then, you know, I mean, if they – I mean, even look at their the Browns defense. I mean, they almost got beat by a rookie quarterback in a second start with a terrible O line. I mean, this is um, I don't know. I think I think Cleveland was lucky to win this game because yeah, Baker's fine. I mean, you know, he can win some games, but he doesn't I don't think he takes advantage of you know Odell and Jarvis Landry and all these guys that are there and as a result it's just kind of the Nick Chubb show and um, I mean he had a great game but I think it all kind of rests on his shoulders in a way and with the way the game is today I don't really think you can do that so and, and Kareem Hunt had a nice game as well. That's a really good one-two punch for them moving forward. Brandon, your thoughts on the Browns? The Browns. I, I'm not impressed with them. You know, like, they, they just, they are, everybody's being like, oh, wow, they're so good now that they've, um, now that they've supposedly taken step forward. But again, at the end of the day, they played the one of the crappiest teams in the league, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they played freaking the Bengals. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm at home, exactly, with fans. Um, not many fans, but still fans. Yeah. Um. And I, I'm just not like, 
there's really nothing for me to feel that hyped about for for the um for the Browns, you know? Like show me against someone good, you know? And, and I guess I will say what I heard this morning on on the sports radio in Seattle, but at least they're winning the games they're supposed to win this year so far. Mm-hmm. You know what matchup I'm really excited to see? Which one? Which one? Is I mean I know exactly how it's gonna go, but Brown or uh, Bengals Ravens. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know I want to see if Burrow can do more against that team than Baker and the Browns were able to. They mm-hmm. only scored what six points. Yeah, they scored. The Browns scored six points on the Ravens. Yeah. Right. I don't know. It'll just be interesting to me. I mean, Baltimore's still going to kill them, but I just, you know, want to see how how they do. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially on the offensive side, as you mentioned. Uh, keep in mind, the Bengals even last week played the Chargers, and Tyrod Taylor is capable at best. So uh, the first two matches with the Bengals haven't really showed us much, um, other than the fact that the Bengals' offense with Joe Burrow is much better than it's been in the last few years. Um, as for the Browns, their secondary is honestly just so terrible. Um, defensive line, they're pretty solid, but secondary is brutal. Um, Joe Burrow like got so many holes on that defense, and, and it was even worse with the Ravens last year or last week. I mean, they were they were just able to throw all over the yard. That secondary needs to be patched up. They have good players. They have young players on that secondary. They should be playing off better than they have. Um, so moving forward, that's biggest thing our fantasy star mvp for the week is tyler boyd uh with 20.2 uh fantasy points good uh game for him uh uh, he got one touchdown in the game that was kind of the main reason he got those 20 points uh but moving on to 10 o'clock slate um first game i want to highlight here is the rams and the eagles brandon i'll start with you uh with the rams of course uh signing robert woods to a contract extension uh, worsening their cap even more uh, moving forward long-term. So speak on that, and then, on, of course, on this game against the Eagles. Yeah, um, Rams versus Eagles, honestly, just on paper, seems like it could be a fairly mediocre game that kind of deserves to be in that 10 o'clock slot. Um, these are both teams that I feel like didn't perform awfully well um, week one. And they're both teams that, to be frank, I am not that interested in seeing you play. However, um, I think the Rams will absolutely destroy the Eagles because the Eagles are just somehow, once again, have found themselves in the same situation they were in last year, which is really beat up from the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. So... Shane, when you look at this matchup and you look at the Eagles, of course, uh, being up 17 nothing last week to Washington and then losing it, um, they absolutely need to win this game um, to move forward with their confidence. What are the keys for the Eagles in this matchup? Yeah, I'm still trying to process that loss. I really don't know how that happened. Jeez, <laughs> um, well, you know, the – The Eagles are a strange team to me because 
I thought that they were going to be like 11 and 5. I think I had them going into the third seed. And, you know, I figured teams like uh, teams like the football team and the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> That's proper. That's good. Would be, you know, a walk, walk in the park for them. But uh, that wasn't the case last week. So uh, who knows what to expect in this game. Um, I think – you know, offensively, I think they should be okay. They're going to have Sanders, um, which will really help the run production. Lance, you know, when healthy, he's obviously really good. <clears throat> um, you know, the Rams' defensive line is uh, pretty good, but, you know, the Eagles' offensive line isn't that bad themselves. So um, what I worry about, though, is uh, is on the defensive side, I think they really need to – Cut down the Goff's pass game, especially with um, you know his connections, like with Robert Woods, for instance, who uh, was a big part of their win against Dallas. Um, you know they were constantly connected, and you know I think if they can, I think if they can limit their the Rams' offensive production, I I think they should be able to win the game. Um, but will that happen? I mean, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we saw how they struggled against the football team. <laughs> I still hate that name, but <laughs> it's temporary. It's one year. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, it's better than, than what it was, but yeah. So anyways. Um, and then speaking of Robert Woods, uh, I did want to speak on that contract extension. Four years, $65 million. Uh, Brandon, the Rams cap situation has gotten worse, basically, by every week, it seems. Um, they're kind of stuck with the team they have for the next five years. Do you think that's a benefit for them long term? Or what's your feeling on the Rams now and their cap situation as it continues to get worse? I don't think the Rams really have a way out, you know? Mm-hmm. Literally the only – I think the only way for the Rams to get out of their cap situation is to quite literally uh, cut it to the studs and start again. Yeah, I mean, it would cost them a lot of dead cap. Um, they're already paying a ton of dead cap for Todd Gurley. Um, but I think Gurley is the main reason why they're able to pay guys like Robert Woods as much money as they have. But yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, Shane, what are your ex- expectations long term for the Rams with this Robert Woods contract? Yeah, I, mean, I think it just further puts them into a just kind of a eh situation, you know. As you look at well, let's see. You look at this team, they get guys like Woods, obviously, who are really special players. And, you know, it's great and all, but you need the supporting cast. <laughs> and, you know, as long as they have this cap issue, they just won't have that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't uh, – I-, I think – in the meantime, they have 
enough talent to just be kind of okay. Uh, but I don't, you know, I don't think that they'll be particularly good or bad for a while. Because they do have uh, Sean McVay, at least for right now, assuming he doesn't get fired sometime in the next five years or whatever. But And, you know, he's a good coach, so they'll always have something, I think, with him. But, you know, who knows how good they will be necessarily. Yep. And then, uh, Shane, I'll continue with you. In terms of the 10 o'clock slate, what games are you looking forward to? Is there one specific game that you're looking at other than Rams and Eagles? Um, Panthers box looks interesting to me. Just because I want to see I want to see how Brady bounces back. You know what I mean? Or if it has affected him or whatever. You know what I mean? What were your thoughts on Brady's struggles on Sunday last week? Um, I think it's a giant combination of a few things. For starters, they, um, you know, I think Brady, as he has gotten older, is not as productive as he used to be, obviously. Not that he's bad, uh, but, you know, I mean, that's bound to happen with age. You know, he's already quite unathletic as is, so. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's, you know, no OTAs, no preseason, new team, new offense, new coaching staff. It's just a lot of new. I think it, you know, he was in, <clears throat> he came from a place where he was in the same, you know, the same building, same coach, same organization, same system for 20 years. Yeah, the players changed and would come and go quite often in a place like New England, but, but you know, the his structure was always constant, you know what I mean? And so when you have to throw all that away and start new when you're 43 years old and then go and play a defense as good as New Orleans for your very first game, it's, you know, things are going to be a bit messy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of bound to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they will stay like that. That's why I kind of want to see this game and see – because, I mean, Panthers struggled defensively, so I want to see how that works. You know what I mean? How mm-hmm. they do against a team like that. But, yeah. Yep. Uh, Brandon, what's a 10 o'clock game you're looking forward to? Um, Jeez. 49ers, Jets. No, I'm just kidding. Um. Probably Lions Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could be interesting. I think the Giants and the Bears could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the Falcons and Cowboys because I think the Falcons have a good chance of winning that game. Yeah, I, I'm looking most forward to the Falcons and Cowboys. Uh, I look at the Falcons and I think about Todd Gurley. Uh, this defensive line proved to be pretty nice. This Cowboys offensive line on Sunday night 
So I think that's going to be a fun challenge, and we'll see what the Falcons are as we move forward in this early part of the season. It's funny you mentioned Niners-Jets because we have no George Kittle, and their receiving group is pretty depleted. So Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to have too many uh, players to throw to, although he has been a huge fan of Jordan Reed in camp. So I expect that to be an interesting uh, one-two punch for them against the Jets. It probably will be a blowout, uh, but just note that the receiving weapons for the Niners are much, much lower than you would expect. Um, or that means they're going to be running Raheem Mostert even more, which yep. means I get more fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and Lions-Packers should be fun because they're always playing close games. Vikings-Colts is another one to keep an eye on uh, throughout the morning or early afternoon if you're on the East Coast um, as a foreman to see how Philip Rivers bounces back after a tough uh, week one. Um, and then a few matchups here in the 125 uh, window, of course, Cardinals and Washington. Uh, that one seems uh, pretty simple, but uh, Chiefs, Chargers, and Ravens, Texans uh, should be fun. Shane, I'll start with you on a preview for Ravens and Texans. Um, well, I think it's a complete mismatch um, in basically every way. Um, I think Baltimore wins 41 to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just this, uh, Houston is just, um, I think they're one saving grace last year that they had Deshaun Watson and Diop, who were always a constant, uh, reliable connection force on the offense and uh now that's gone (laughs) and so now you look at this team it's like well what do we got we got deshaun watson with some you know b b minus receivers a so-so running game no offensive line um you know defense you got one good defensive end who's injured half the time looking at you, J.J. Watt. Um, he had a hip injury all this week. Yeah, of course. Is he hurt again? Yeah, he had a hip injury oh, this week. Wow. He, he, he'll play on Sunday by all accounts, but he did have a hip yeah, injury that like, he was nursing this but week. But, like, I'll just, I'd like to just take a, take a step back and talk about the fact that this is a guy who started out being, like, a defensive juggernaut and and now he's had three seasons in a row where he's had early injuries that has led to him having a surgery that has had him out for the rest of the season. He had a – what did he have a – I forgot what he had last he's week. He's had two or arms. last year. I believe he had a hand surgery and an arm surgery. Wasn't it like oblique or something? Or something. it was like a torn – I think it was a torn pack last year. Something um, like that. But yeah. it kept him out for the rest of the year. It was and six like, weeks, yeah. The Texans just haven't had him for the whole season, for for the last three seasons, it seems. like. Yeah, it's been a huge loss for them, for sure, especially without Clowney the last few years. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, I'll continue with you with Chiefs Chargers. Uh, Chargers did not impress me. Um. I think that's going to be a pretty big 
blowout. I think uh, Chiefs win. Well, I think Chiefs win 32... Thirty to twenty-one. I look at the Chargers and just go. Tyrod's not very good. Of course, I think, as I said earlier, I think he's pretty much middle of the pack. Uh, defensively, they are not very good. Um, so, and yeah, it's just an absolute mess there. Uh, defensively, the Chargers are going to have a very difficult year. Um, will we see Herbert? Probably not this year. I don't think so. Uh, but if we do, the Chargers are going to be a more interesting story moving forward. Um, and let's go to the big matchup of the week, the Patriots and the Seahawks. Brandon, I'll start with you uh, with the Seahawks. Um, what are the keys to stopping Cam Newton uh, in this offense if you're Seattle? Um, I, th- I think, and this is funny, I think make him throw the ball. Yeah. Um, make him throw the ball because you don't know what his arm is going to be like, and we know that he's not – that accurate to the air and if you throw the ball if he has to throw the ball it's going to make him less likely to run the ball you know mm-hmm. um, and that's also going to be another thing con- containing his scramble ability mm-hmm. um, I think Belichick will know that he has not a great team this year on offense. Like, he's going to want to keep the score to it to an old-school, hard-nosed, run the ball on for both teams to, like, keep it close. So, I think one key for the Seahawks – my last key for the Seahawks will be get a big lead, keep it. You know, like – just don't let them get ahead. Yeah. One of the things that we spoke about uh, last week with the Seahawks was uh, the aggressiveness of Jamal Adams. Shane, with that aggressiveness, how is that going to change how the Seahawks game plan for Cam Newton? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, because you look at you look at a guy like Jamal Adams, and he's a he's a great defender for somebody like Cam Newton because he I mean when you're when you're watching him no matter where the play is Jamal Adams is just there somehow I don't know how he could what it doesn't matter what it is oh Jamal Adams is there imagine that and so you know I think you get if you if you get Cam Newton to run which they're probably going to do a bit you know I think you just got to get like him, Wagner, you know, keep him contained. And then maybe it'll force him to throw a bit. And then, you know, you can use your <clears throat> coverage to stop him, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. Because like Brandon said, he's not that accurate. So, <clears throat> I mean, if he, if he starts throwing, I mean, I'd expect, you know, I'd expect Diggs or Adams to, get a pick at some point probably you know mm-hmm. uh, so yeah I mean I, I think it's I, mean, I think it's pretty simple because the, the the Patriots offense is pretty limited all things considered so you know I don't I don't think it'll be too hard for the Seahawks to shut them down defensively but 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you also have to worry about their defense, which is pretty good. So, yeah, Patriots defense that is. So, yeah, yeah. And, and then with the Patriots, uh, what are your keys if the Patriots are going to find a way to pull this one out? Mm. I think. Uh, I think shutting down. Trying to shut down the pass game would be a big thing. You know, really blitzing, getting Wilson pressured, and, uh, you know, forcing him to throw or whatever. Because, you know, they have a pretty good secondary, too, so they can make plays. Uh, That's, I think, the biggest thing for their defense. But then, um, you know, offensively, I think they – are probably best off just pounding the rock, <clears throat> you know, getting lots of run plays. Because uh, that, I mean, that defensive line has been great. So, you know, hmm. you can do some damage <clears throat> some damage with that. Yep. But, yep. And then the Monday night game this week, we'll get to this on our Sunday post show, is the Saints and the Raiders. That should also be a fun one opening up Las Vegas. So let's move on to some other topics for the week and we are starting uh, with some more football um, beginning with some college discussion here not as much with the game specifically uh, but more outside the games we're starting with uh, LSU Uh, they've had a lot of positive uh, cases uh, of COVID-19 Brandon you you specifically put this topic into discuss what are your thoughts on uh, LSU and and all those positive cases. Well, I think it's worrisome that no one is really feeling. Um, no, one cares. <laughs> no one cares that LSU's that Ed Orgeron's out here being or the, the. It's just the fact that the head of the of LSU is being able to say, "Oh, literally everybody, every player on our team has had it," and nobody yeah. like nobody gives a crap like. Yeah. You know, it just it's concerning. It it it's it shows that there is no real discussion with the safety protocols. And let's be completely honest that it really doesn't seem like there's been as much discussion focused on that piece other than the idea of oh, let's return to play. And that's been my problem and that's why I said I don't care about college football this year. Um, other than maybe one or two games, just because there just doesn't seem to be a focus on the actual players or coaches and their health. And then on top of that, the games themselves aren't too interesting. Shane, your thoughts on LSU right now? Well, you know, I mean, Edward Duran, you know, this is a guy who is like, you know, same before the season. We'll have half capacity at the stadium. That'd be great. I mean, you know, so – he he clearly to me at least he doesn't he seems like one of those people who thinks that the virus is just no big deal and you know hey the kids will be all right yeah you know so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of i don't know it's kind of weird that i mean you know the kids you would want, <laughs> i'd imagine you'd want to um be really looking out for their health. I mean, granted, you know, it, it doesn't affect younger people as much, but 
I mean, still, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, just no big deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There is still risks that come along with it. That means that they will continue spreading it to other people who might be vulnerable, whatever. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I think they, I mean, they certainly, and the NCAA certainly has the money to be able to do testing and all this stuff to make sure it's safe, but I, you know, here we are. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, it's kind of weird. You know, I think you bring up something really important, and this is something that we've continued to discuss uh, throughout the offseason in college football, throughout the summer, about the idea that this actually really isn't an NCAA issue. It's more the conferences, it's more the individual schools trying to get these tests or whatever it may be. Uh, I think that's kind of a really important point to make as well. Um, that this really doesn't feel like an NCAA run thing. So it doesn't make the season feel that interesting for me as well in those aspects. Um, and then moving on as well, uh, the Big Ten is going to resume on October 24th, and the Pac-12 is going to make their decision on Thursday uh, to return to play before January 1st of 2020, so the new year. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the Big Ten playing and the Pac-12 making a decision to play. Do you think it's a good idea for the Pac-12 to make this decision at this moment? Um, or is there more pressure to make this decision instead of actually looking at all the facts and maybe it not being the best idea? What are your thoughts on it? I think there's just a lot of pressure right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I was talking to Connor about this and I said, this is the first time in my entire time as a f- fan of football that I don't really care, you know? I don't really I don't really care about college football. I don't care about I, – I, I mean, I would watch it if, if Pac-12 came back, but, like, you know, I, it just – it doesn't have that feel to me. Yeah, sorry, I just hit my table there, but – no, I feel the same way. This has been something that I've constantly said that this doesn't feel like a normal college football season. We don't even know if we're going to have the college football playoff or how that's even going to work. Like, are we really interested in watching three SEC teams again in the playoff? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think from a ratings perspective, people will be that interested in that. Um, I don't see how this season makes any sense still because – most of the teams are playing, you know, most of the top level teams such as Oklahoma are playing, you know, lower tier programs. And it, it's, and, and, and Brandon, you've pointed this out in the past as well. It's kind of created some overreaction to how well these teams are playing, how well these quarterbacks are playing when they're not really playing the most incredible talent. Um, you know, Clemson's not playing a team like Alabama, you know, I think they're playing the Citadel this week. So uh, can you actually speak on that piece a little bit more, how it sort of seems like this constant overreaction to these games? Yeah. um, It's like when you have, I'm just tired of, of teams like Clemson being allowed to play like Citadel or something like that, and they're like, oh my god, it's such a hard game. It's like, no, you're playing Citadel. Like, just say how it is. Say that they're going to destroy them. Say that it's going to be a boring game to watch. Don't don't act like sports fans are some idiots who can't, you know, 
tell what's going to happen. And this is something that actually you brought up as they played uh, Wake Forest last week. Shane, your thoughts on the overreaction across the country to some of these matchups? Well, you know, I mean, I think when people look at this season and how, um, let's be honest, how lackluster it is, you know, people see a matchup, any matchup, and they're like, oh, it's Clemson. You know, who cares about the other team? It's Clemson, you know. And, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I'm going to piggyback off of what Brandon said about college football as a whole. Because I I don't really – as you know, I've been at kind of a weird place with college football in the last couple of years just because I feel like every year it's just Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe Georgia, and a couple other SEC schools. That LSU. Yeah. That just dominate every year. It's just the same, same thing. It's all about these, like, four or five teams. And that's not that's not, not really interesting <laughs> to me as a viewer. Um, you know, I want to see all sorts of teams getting up there. So, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of with college football. I'm I'm kind of over it until <laughs> they make these some changes, uh, if that'll ever even happen. Uh, for instance, limiting the amount of money people are like, teams are allowed to spend on recruiting, or how many recruits they even get. Well, yeah, so that it's top level recruits, almost like a a salary cap for college, <laughs> um, just so that you know different teams, you know different different teams can get better instead of just one one. Dominant team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other things, but that's, I don't know. That kind of, that just bothers me. And I mean, I'm sure yeah. that's going to continue. So, yeah. Well. I mean, uh, look, when you're talking about recruiting in specific, obviously, it's mostly about the, the particular um, athlete picking that particular school and, you know, where, they, where they're actually going to school. Uh, for education purposes and stuff. So that's where it becomes complicated. Uh, but how you would do that with recruiting is a star system. You know, how many five stars can you get? How many four, how many three, how many two, how many one? Yeah, sure. It It's, it is impractical from the educational perspective, which is why it's not in place uh, and why it probably will never be in place. But uh, the general point is that because of it, it is, it the root of it is recruiting. Um, it's the idea that, there's just not a lot. These guys just continuously going to these top programs, and unfortunately, it does hurt some of these, um, some of these, some of these athletes who, you know, are top level recruits, and then eventually they they lose favor, and then the transfer market becomes sort of a free agency, and we've seen that the last couple of years, especially at the quarterback position. So, uh, it does create a whirlwind of uh, unforeseen issues as well, especially over the last couple of years. I mean, I don't really see the issue with people transferring, though, because... Well, I'm not saying that it's an issue, but it is It is interesting when you're talking about recruiting, right, in the sense that, oh, a, a team like 
Oklahoma signs, I don't know, two, two five-star recruits in back-to-back years, and then one of those recruits says, oh, I, you, you promised me I'll play, I'm going to leave and go to, you know, Missouri or something. I'm just making an example. But, do you, but it's, it's sort of at the root of the recruiting. It's, it's this idea that you just keep getting guys, keep getting guys, sometimes regardless of position, and then eventually the transfer market becomes sort of like a free agency type. Not saying that it's bad for the game. You can make an argument it is very good for the game. But at the end of the day, it, it, it is an issue from the perspective of just not every student stays all four years because these these colleges just keep getting these top recruits over and over and guys kind of get passed over, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we're now finally going to finish with the NBA, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Um, actually, before we get to... Uh, the two matchups. Let's talk about the Clippers uh, and their absolute debacle losing to the Nuggets after being uh, up three to one. Brandon, I'll start with you. What went wrong with the Clippers in 2020? Um, the Clippers didn't really have much chemistry. That's it. You know? Like, they just... They had a bunch of players who played well on their own, but didn't ever really combine, you know? Mm -hmm. At least I see it that way. Yeah, I feel pretty much the same way. Shane, was it more than chemistry for you, or um, what was it for you with the Clippers? Yeah, I mean, that's probably it few reasons obviously but I think also I mean you know I think Denver is just playing with a lot of fire <laughs> you know um, I mean yeah you know there are chemistry issues with Clippers and um, I mean on top of that they, they didn't they didn't look like they were totally trying almost you know what I mean yeah and um, so you know, it was kind of, it, it almost felt as though they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll get Denver, but let's, uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's think about how we're going to beat the Lakers. It's like, no, let's, let's think about the series we're on right now. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I don't know. Anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Denver just seems really focused, um, really determined to try and get as far as they can. They have, I mean, yeah, Murray has just been incredible. Uh, he's probably the best three-point shooter uh, right now in the tournament. Mm, uh, Duncan Robinson, I probably give that nod too, but yes. Eh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, but regard, he's good regardless. I think the major thing with Murray for me is the fact that he's just ridiculous in elimination games. Um, hasn't played too well tonight as we're recording this. Lakers are up by a good amount um, on the Nuggets, which I think is to be expected, but we'll, we'll talk about that matchup in a bit. So a couple things with the Clippers for me. One, obviously, as you guys said, is the chemistry issues. That's the highlight. Um, after the game for me was really kind of where I had some issues and, and some of those holes kind of opened up for me. Uh, Paul George, um, in him saying that, we didn't really think this was a championship or bust year. We didn't act that way. Now I understand 
you, they had, you know, you have, you have two years plus a player option for both him and Kawhi at this moment. Um, but at the same time, the idea that this wasn't a championship or bust year is ridiculous because for the Clippers themselves, I mean, you paid what, seven, eight first round draft picks. You basically mortgaged your entire future uh, to pick up Paul George. So if this wasn't a championship or bust year, you're putting more pressure on yourself next year to make this work. Cause if, if it doesn't work next year, guess I imagine both Kawhi and Paul George are going to leave. I don't see how they stay if this doesn't work. If, if they lose in the second round again, if they lose in the second round again next year, it's over. And then the Clippers, what do they have? They don't have any massive amount of assets to move considering they let go of basically their entire decade of picks. So the idea that it was the idea that this wasn't a championship robust year is preposterous um, from a player's perspective, from a coaching perspective with doc rivers, and especially from the organization. I mean, they made a risk with this move and it's a massive risk. If they don't have a title, they should have had it this year. Cause they, I mean, let's be honest. They had the best team here. They probably will have the best team next year. Um, but if they don't win in 2021, there's going to be some real discussion about whether this was the right decision uh, to bring in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And then with the particular matchups, of course, Denver and Lakers, again, the Lakers are up by a good amount right now. Um, Brandon, how long do you expect this series to go? How many games do you peg this series to go? Do you think Denver actually has a real chance to compete in this series? I, I think it's going to be a sweep. Why do you feel that way? Because I feel like I just feel like the Lakers are really quite good, like better than better than the Clippers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to put my finger on it, you know. I can't quite figure it out. I feel like Denver's magic has run out, and I look at the Lakers and I go that they – I feel like they finally have some chemistry. Um, I feel like at the beginning of the bubble and the restart, they were in a spot where they just kind of didn't really know what it was, you know, what who they are as a team. And now uh, playing Denver, I think, is definitely an advantage. I see it going five or six games. I think six is probably about um, fair. Um but either way, I, I do feel like the Clippers, are, or excuse me, the Lakers, excuse me, have started to really figure this out, um, and that will help them, especially if they go to the finals. Uh, but Shane, do you feel like this will be a long series? Do you think Denver's magic has kind of run out? I mean, I would think so, but um, you know, considering the giant curveball that has been twenty twenty, that probably won't happen. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I don't know. Like, I still don't totally know what either of these teams are. You, you don't feel like you understand where the, where the Lakers are at right now as a team? Lakers, yeah, but, you know, it's, because it, they're, yeah, I think their chemistry is getting better, but I still think they're too LeBron AD reliant, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, <clears throat> I mean, if it, I mean, if that works for them, then great. But I don't – I mean, come finals time, I don't know how that will work against, you know, Miami or or Boston who has 
you know, five guys that are all pretty good. Um, they're not, you know, none of them are LeBron or AD, but but they're they're competitive <laughs> to say the least. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much how much does playoff Rondo, you know, Rajon Rondo, of course, we talked about this last week, him coming back. How much does he affect that as like another piece for them or, or guys like Kuzma and, of course, Caruso stepped up in a few games. Are, are you looking to see more from the the other or I guess the let's say the supporting cast pieces around LeBron and AD for them to be successful not only in this series, but in the finals? Well, I think so. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, in this series, I think they would probably be able to to win with the uh, LeBron AD duo, <laughs> but um, come finals, I, I don't think they could. Um, to be honest with you, uh, for no matter which team it is, Miami or Boston. Uh, so, yeah, I think that definitely helps. You know, especially having a kind of a veteran presence there. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it's good to have experience, especially in you know in playoffs. As weird as the playoffs are this year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just with the bubble and everything. So, last topic here, of course, is the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Miami Heat have been absolutely dominant in this series. Uh, third quarter, Boston kind of uh, tapered down a little bit. Uh, in the in the second game yesterday, uh, Brandon, what it what has impressed you about Miami in this series, and what do you feel about Boston's dysfunction? They had a bit of an argument in the locker room after game two. Uh, what do you feel about both of those pieces in this series? Miami is the better put together team mentally, I think. Um, like Miami. I actually would say this. I think one of the differences mentally is that Miami has come into this series with absolutely no expectations. They've come into the playoffs with absolutely no expectations. Like, I feel like a lot of – and by that, I mean a lot of people had no expectations for Miami. Yeah. Whereas with the Celtics, everybody's like, oh, it's the Celtics. They should get to, to the finals or they – like, they should get to the uh, Eastern Conference, you know? Yeah. Um. So I just I think it's the perfect storm right now because Miami. I, I think Miami is just straight up the better team, you know. Mm-hmm. Shane, how much has the mental aspect of the bubble, especially with Miami, with their workman's attitude, has helped them throughout this playoff run, especially in these first two games of this series? Well, you know, I mean, it's. I think it's something you kind of need, uh, considering just how uh how weird you know a, a bubble is and i mean it's you know it's it can't be easy on players uh, you know just feeling very isolated like that and um <clears throat> you know i mean i think i i, I agree with what brandon said about how um you know miami is there's no expectations. They're just out there to win. You know, they're not, they don't have this pressure on them that so many other teams have felt. And I think that's really helped them because, you know, you look at Celtics and everyone's like, Oh, you know, they, they might win the, the whole Eastern conference. And yeah. And then the Lakers, Oh, LeBron, AD. Yeah. They're, 
they're awesome. And then, oh, Miami. Yeah, you know, Miami, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? And I think they're kind of um, taking advantage of, of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I really, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like Miami is going to win it all, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Do you think because of those reasons? Well, that's part of it. Um, but also, I mean, the, their roster is, no, they don't have a lot of, like, stars, if any, really, other than Butler. And Bam, I would say, as well. Yeah, yeah fair. But they – so, no, they don't have that, but they're young, they're fast, and they have a lot of players who are not stars, but they're really good. You know what I mean? They, That's something that I think they, they basically done every the other Raptors, team lacks. You they've know basically I mean? done the Raptors treatment from last year, you know, mm-hmm. like fast, not a ton of stars, but players that can come together, click together and play as a team, you know, which is kind of what I, what I think is going to be the future of the NBA. Like not like, super flashy all-star teams, but, like, teams with one or two leaders and then a bunch of good players that can play together as a team and click. There's something interesting about Miami in in this frame, right, in in the bubble frame, and this is why, um, you know, as as Shane said, this is why you could make an, an argument that they're probably the best team left here. It's because – and I, I still feel like the Lakers are the best team here, but – with Miami, you know, it, it is like Jimmy Butler, Bam, you know, Bam is, is you know, star supporting cast, but I, I still think he's a star. Um, but when you're looking at that team in totality, you're looking at a great mix of veterans and young talent, you know, guys like Kendrick Young. Duncan Robinson, for me, has been really important throughout this playoff run as a guy who can shoot threes. You need a guy who can shoot threes. He was running around like Steph Curry out there yesterday. It felt at times – it's really impressive because, as Brandon said, I think that's an important comparison. The Raptors last year even go back to 2011 with the Mavericks. This is the recipe to win with one, let's say, superstar. We can call Butler a superstar and the band more of a star emerging superstar, I guess, would be the best way to actually um, put Bam in, you know, in a sort of category, if you will. But I think those two, that team, the Raptors team last year and the Mavs feel in a lot of ways like Miami. Um, and that's why I think that argument has a lot of validity, validity to it uh, for me. And that is it for today. Anything else you guys want to add before we end? Nope, that's it. Shane, how was the steak, man? Oh, it was great. I forgot my camera was off. <laughs> <laughs> good, good to hear. All right, we'll see, you, we'll see you back here on Sunday for our weekly NFL Sunday post show. A lot of great games there, and enjoy the playoff games as we go through the weekend. We are close to the finals. The finals start on September 30th, so we're about 12 days away from that as well. So I hope you guys enjoy the weekend of basketball, football. We got some hockey as well, uh, which we'll check out with the Stanley Cup final. Anything you kind of want to talk about with the Stanley Cup final, Brandon? This is such a weird matchup this year, by the way, before we head out. Yeah. I think I'm sure we'll cover it next week once yeah. it's really gotten going, but definitely not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, with the lightning and the stars, it's definitely a weird one. The bubble. I see. So, definitely uh, an interesting Stanley Cup final as well. So, 
enjoy all the sports this weekend. We also got the U.S. Open in winged foot, which has been pretty crazy uh, with Tiger was not making the cut. So definitely a struggle there. Uh, but we'll talk about all that and more uh, next Friday. And we'll specifically focus on the NFL, as we always do, um, on Sunday night. We'll see you all then. Have a great weekend.